Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. Thank you once again for tuning in, and my name is Pastor Jacob. Um, I currently lead uh, a church called The Bridge at Ben Salem, PA. Uh, we are a new church plant there, and uh, God has been blessing us. Um, I am good friends with your pastor, Pastor Duane, uh, Courtney, uh, children Declan and Destin. I'm so happy to know them for the past many years. We started schooling together at Karen, and um, I always remember the first time he took me to Chick-fil-A. And uh, we had a great time, and I had to tell you, he got me hooked, and even today, Chick-fil-A has been my thing to go. Uh, to be honest with you, even today, I had a good Chick-fil-A meal, spicy chicken deluxe. So, not trying to get you guys hungry, but <laughs> um, I'm just so thankful for the ways that we discussed a lot of things, and when we had challenges, you know, we kind of shared things together. He would give me books and recommend me books, and, you know, we used to do that with each other. So such great friendship, and I really thank God for, you know, Pastor Duane and uh, his leadership and uh, the way he has blessed me and our family. Um, so um, I thank God for that. I, I thank God for this church. Everything looks so beautiful. I was just looking around and seeing the work that you guys have done, and this is truly awesome. Uh, and I'm excited. I was saying, I was actually sitting around and just watching the neighborhood in my car for a little bit, and you know, um, this is a great place for this church to be at, and I, I feel like, you know, this is, a, like, the harvest is so ripe here, and, and there's so much you guys can do here, and I'm so excited for you and what the Lord is about to do, and uh, thank God for that, and uh, uh, today, um, I once again thank Pastor Duane for giving me this opportunity to come and share with you guys. I pray that today, this word will be a blessing for you. I was praying for a word for you guys, and God kind of, uh, you know, showed me a couple of visions and, and you know, kind of said, okay, I have a word for you. Uh, I got to tell you. Your pastor is an amazing uh, teacher. He's a great teacher. And um, I would say I'm not that, that level yet, you know. So uh, I, I, I am going to share with um, very practical insights and just kind of dive into the scripture a little bit and just see what the Lord has for us today. All right, so for that, let's go to the book of uh, Revelation, Revelation chapter 2. I'm going to read from verse 1 to verse 7. Revelation chapter 2. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things say, He who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil, and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars, and you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my namesake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works or else I will come to you quickly 
and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Wow. What a powerful passage of scripture that we just read. And probably you have heard so many sermons from it. And I'm not trying to do a deep dive Bible study here. I feel like today the sermon is going to be very prophetic uh, to what God has for you guys as a church. And I pray that this will be a blessing and inspiration and, and take you to where God wants you to go. Amen. So um, just let's dive in and just look at the background of where this is. Of course, as you read from the beginning, this is written to the church at Ephesus, right? This is one of the uh, uh, places where it is like one of the main harbors of the Asia Minor. And, um, you know, it is a, a, a port where so much is happening. A lot of people coming in, a lot of people going out, a lot of trades coming in, a lot of theologies and philosophies and whatever you want to talk about. I mean, it's coming in and going out. It's a place where so much is happening. Uh, there's actually four major roads that meet at, the, at Ephesus as well. So much going on in this town, and in the midst of all this, there's the church of Ephesus. I also want to mention to you there is a temple, uh, Temple of Artemis. Um, and um, some scholars say Artemis or Diana. Um, so... Um, Whatever it is, it's a temple, and it's mainly from few commentaries that I read, it's mainly Artemis that they kind of uh, project there. And in that temple, basically, it's like in the heart of the city, and there is a tree in the middle of the entire temple, and they call it, that's the shrine of the tree. I mean, uh, it's a shrine where the tree is in the midst of the city, and that's where people come in. And tree is kind of considered as life. This is where you get life from. And uh, that's how this temple is. So with all this pagan stuff happening in the city and all kinds of stuff coming in and out and philosophies coming in and out, uh, we have the Church of Ephesus, who is actually uh, very strong, in my opinion. They are doing so great, uh, especially when I compare it to what's happening today in our world. And I, I, uh, I'm just going to dive into these things, right? If you lo really look into these next few verses, you can see, of course, Jesus who's not only great Alpha, Omega, you know, the bright of the morning star, he's a king of kings, not only that, he's also a God who walks, right? He walks in the midst of the seven golden stamps. So he also, you know, knows and he understands what's happening. So, so he's a God who actually knows what's going on in the churches. So he's, he's speaking to the messenger or angel of the church here. So I'm just going to go right into it. So the first thing it says, I know your works, your labor, talks about how they had patience, how they had um, uh, they were against evil, they hated evil. They will even test the apostles to see what they are teaching, if they're right or wrong, and they will find out the, who the liars are. And you know, this church was all about hard work. Um, actually, if you go back to see how the city of Ephesus was, there were a people who were really hardworking group of people, very hardworking group of people. Um, they even had coins, uh, uh, history says, that uh, their main symbol was a bee, 
uh, bee who was always at work, always working and always storing and always working hard. And this was kind of like their symbol. And Jesus here talks to the church just, just to relate with them as to, hey, I know your words. You guys are a hardworking group of people. Um, I, I, when I was just you know, reading through this, I was like, I sometimes wonder where we have gone you know, when it comes to hard work. Uh, one of the things that I, I've been taught and the way I teach my kids is like, without hard work, you gain nothing, right? <laughs> Even if you want to you know, um, gain something small, you got to work hard. You know, it's not about, oh, I don't feel like doing it. It's not about, eh, you know what? I don't enjoy it. Uh, it's all good. It's, it all has its place. But Hard work is everything, right? So, but, but this church was someone who was so hardworking that they want to make, make sure that things were being done, making sure the church was running, making sure that everything in the church was taken care of. So you had multiple people in the church. Just think about it. Multiple people in the, th- uh, in the church was so good at, say, cleaning the church, maintaining the church, you know, taking care of, uh, you know, things in the church and making sure everything was going so well in the midst of all that is happening in the city, right? So, so these guys were so good at it. So I would say there are four Ds, uh, you know, in their qualities that Christ Jesus is kind of telling them, commenting them, like, hey, you guys are great at these things. What are them? Number one, deeds. They're great at doing stuff. Like, they are there. You know, Sunday morning, uh, you come to church, um, they're already there. You're not waiting for them. They are there. They took care of them. You know, all the ducks are in a row. Everything is lined up and, you know, pastor can come in and ready to preach and ready to go, right? So, so the church was so good at it, so on top of things that they had the deeds. Of course, number two, they had determination. They never grew weary. They were always at it and never gave up. Like today we live in a culture where, you know, people are so easily given up on this. Of course, with COVID and being shut down and being in a closed-in environment, a lot of us really don't have the energy that we used to have before. We don't have that, you know, that, that, that zeal or that, you know, drive like before. It's like, eh, you know what? I can't wait for tomorrow. Or, you know what, um, I don't know, I don't know, something is wrong somewhere. I'm going to just take a break. And for us, break means quitting, right? It's a nice way of quitting by saying, I'm going to take a break for some time. Um, and we have this mentality, but, but here's a choice that had so much determination that they were like never quitting. They had so much patience, Jesus is saying, that they were ready to go and they would have that patience and they will endure hard times and they would just keep on going. So... I love these things, you know, when it comes to church. And you can see so much scriptures that can back these up, right? Discipline. There were someone who had discipline, of course, because they were at it and they kept doing it, what they need to do. It's not like, you know, how it feels like one Sunday morning or, you know, one day of the week. It was about discipline. They had that. And, of course, they had doctrine because they were, they used to test the apostles. Like, for example, like, I'm preaching. You go back and say, okay, what did he speak about? Does that align with the scripture? These guys had their doctrines down. So Jesus is saying, not like a random pastor saying, you know what, I love that church. They are so good. No, Jesus is saying, so this is real stuff. And this is not trying to, Jesus is not trying to be diplomatic here. He's like, hey, I commend you for these things. You are known for these things. And then he says, in NKJV, it says, nevertheless, some translation says, but. The actual Greek word says, Allah, with two LLs, A. 
And it actually is like, it's not like, you know, again, I'm, like I said, it's not trying to be diplomatic. Like, hey, this is all so great. This is some things that you can get better at. No, Jesus was literally going, hey, this is all good, but there's something so opposite, so, so not right, that does not align with anything that you're doing, and that is that you have lost your first love. Basically, Jesus is saying that you do all these things, this is great and this is awesome, but if you don't have the first love or if you don't have love, everything is a waste. Everything that you do, it's almost like it's ineffective, right? You read in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you, you read about love and everything. So, um, you know, if you don't have the love of God in you, how can you even function? What are, you, what are you actually doing? You know, sometimes, you know, with team members and staff or one of the things we, we ask is like, hey, why are you doing this? Like, what is the intention? Like, what is, what is that thing that drives you to do this, right? Are you just coming Sunday morning and just going through the motions? Like, we have heard this, right? We have been in church for so long that we have heard this time and time again. But here Jesus is so clearly saying, if you do not have love, all these other things that you're doing is completely pointless. It does not really matter because, see, if there's no affection, there's no effectiveness. There's no, you're not going to be effective if you don't have the passion. If you don't have the, the love of God in you, everything that you do does not have what it takes to make it effective, make it fruitful, to bring in the fruits, right? To bring in the harvest, you need to fall in love with Jesus all over again. That's what he's saying there. It's like, all right, stop, stop, you know, time out. Where is your love here? Where's the love factor here? Are you simply doing it for the sake of doing it? Are you simply doing it because, you know what, we want to, we want to make the church running. We don't, want to, we don't want to stop doing what we're doing because we don't want the church to stop. We don't, we don't, we don't want other people to talk about it. And Jesus is like, wait, 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 wait. Where is the first love? Where is love here? Now, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit spoke to me about these things and he brought to me a story and I would like to share the story with you. Um, about a great servant of God called Robert Cook. Um, he uh, is a prophet, and today he's currently in the UK, and he has a prophetic school and a lot of students under him and great man of God. And, you know, um, he shares one of his experiences which really got me to the core. And he talks about how he got an assignment, a preaching assignment at the church, and they said, hey, would you come and speak? And he said, yeah, I will come and speak. And then he started praying and asking God for a message. God, give me a, a, a message so I can share it with the people. Please, whatever you have to you know, tell your people, please tell me. And, and actually, he didn't get anything. And he was so surprised that it's not the norm for him to like not hear from God as to what he has to give to the church or you know deliver to the church. So he was praying all the way. He was driving in, and he he almost felt like you know a, like God didn't really want him to go. Like he kind of felt that. I was like, he's like, what happened? He's like, I don't know what's happening. So he parked his car. He came to the church. He parked his car, 
And then he slowly enters the church. And as he entered the church, all of a sudden, he opens the door of the church and there's a stench coming out of the church. Like it, it really stinks, right? And he's like, whoa, what is that smell? And he's walking in the church. He sees people again. You know, this is a church that everything was lined up perfectly. Great church, known church in the area, a big church in the area, well-functioning church. Um, and he gets in and he starts asking people, hey, um, what is the smell? And they're like, what smell? What smell are you talking about? And he's like, oh, okay, maybe he doesn't know. <laughs> he doesn't have that sense of smell. Maybe I'll ask somebody else. So he would go to the next person and ask the same question. Like, hey, do you smell something bad? And they're like, no, I don't smell anything bad. And then he realized, whoa, something is happening because he's getting this strong, you know, smells, such a bad odor that he cannot even stand there, right? So, so he slowly realized that this is something odd. Either there's something wrong with me or God is trying to tell me something, right? So he, he slowly rushes out, of, you know, rushes out of, his, of the church and goes back to his car, gets in his car and he locks the door and he's like, what is going on, God, you know? And when he asked this question, all of a sudden, he just felt this anger, like God's anger in the car. And, 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 and God told him, like, I am not there. So why are you asking me this question of what do you want me to preach? Because I'm not there. And he's like, what do you mean? What do you mean, God? Like, this is your church. And he started apologizing. He started crying to God. I'm like, God, I'm so sorry that I came. I should have asked you before I even took the assignment. And he's like, like crying out to God and saying, God, forgive me. Like, and then God said, okay, here's the message. Tell the church, church, you stink. So he was like, okay, church, you stink. So he, he gets out of his car just like, you know, don't know like what to do because this is kind of a weird message. So he comes out and he, and he sits in the church again. It stings in the church. So he's just, just struggling to be there. And when his time came, he goes up to the pulpit and he started saying this a couple of times. Church, you stink. The third time he said it, God started revealing things to him. Again, you know, great man of God, used by God uh, with, with the gift of prophecy. And he's like, church, you stink because that person over there, and he calls out the person and he says, has a problem with this person over here. Like saying, Steve, you have a problem with George over here. Or, you know, Jose, you have a problem with, you know, your wife over here and you guys are fighting. Like he started calling out people one after the other and the spirit of God just started moving in the church so powerfully. And he started calling out people who had problems with the pastor in the church. So he's like, okay, you, you and you have an issue with the pastor and you are kind of, you know, coming up with this plan and agenda to fight against the pastor. Like he started calling things out. And when he started calling things out, like he's speaking like reality, right? The what's happening, he's just speaking it out. And when he shares this thing, people started crying because they're like, oh, this is so true. 
and people are like crying and there's a sobbing. And, and as people, and then he started saying like, repent, you know, repent and, and ask forgiveness and reconcile. And as people were crying and asking God forgiveness, as the pastor was crying, and, and the audience, you can see people all are like crying. He says this in a story that all of a sudden the stench slowly goes away. And then all of a sudden he can smell the sweet aroma. The church is filled with beautiful smell that he's like, ah, oh, it smells so good in here. And, and all of a sudden the, the place changed. There was, there was love being established in the church. Hallelujah. So what I'm trying to say is, I'm not trying to say that there are people in your church who's fighting with one another. That's, that's what I'm trying. I'm trying to say this love is so essential. And that's what Jesus is trying to say. Love is on top of all the other things that you're trying to do. Everything else is awesome, but you got to have love, right? You got to have love. So he gives us a couple principles of coming back to that first love. Number one. He says, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. So he's kind of saying, remember, meaning look back to where you came from. Where did they come from? I mean, think about the book of Acts, right? I mean, basically the Spirit of God is telling them, go back to where your salvation was, how you fell in love with Jesus. Like, you know, if you don't have the love of God in you, and it's not just a phrase, right? It's not like, you know, Paul says, with all the miracles that he has, you know, seen and God has done through him, with all the writings, you know, Paul says like, oh, if I might know God more and the power of his resurrection, or if I could know him more, right? So the love of Paul, regardless of what happened in the past and how much he has experienced God, the more you experience God, the more you want to know him because he's just so amazing, right? Like you, you go to bed thinking about him, you get up thinking about him, you're driving thinking about him and you are in love with Jesus. Jesus. It's a complete different walk when you are completely in love with Jesus. And I always say this, if Jesus is not your ultimate satisfaction, if Jesus is not your ultimate delight, I would question your relationship with God. I would question where you are with God. See, what's the difference between a child of God and Satan, right? We, we see in the scriptures that Satan knows about God, right? He knows that, oh, he's a son of God, you know, and, and he knows everything, details. He knows the scriptures. He can spit out scriptures. Some people, you know, love to spit out scriptures. And I say, I encourage you to learn scriptures, memorize them, you know, use them for God's glory and for your own benefit. But, 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 but spitting out scripture is something that Satan did too. Or did he know how to worship? I think he knew how to worship because when Jesus came, he fell down. The demonic, the demon possessed man, uh, he fell down before, you know, Jesus and be like, oh God, why have you come to torment me? Again, like an act of worship. So, so I'm like, wait a minute. When Sunday comes, we can worship. Oh, we know how the scriptures, we know about God. We believe there is a God just like Satan does. So what is the difference? The difference is this, right? When Satan hears the name Jesus, you know, he grinds his teeth. <laughs> the, the, the moment that Satan hears the word Jesus, he's full of anger and, 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 and just jealousy and like wrath. Like he's so angry, right? He, he hates it. But for us, when we hear the name Jesus, 
it just enlightens our world. It just makes our day so bright because, you know, we are in this journey of like, you know, just, just walking with Jesus and learning more about him, to know him more and the power of his resurrection. Like we're all about this Jesus, right? And I usually say this, like I've been married for 16 years and, and even now, like I'm learning new things about my wife. And I'm like, oh, whoa, I didn't know that. Wow, that's pretty cool. I didn't know that. And, and this, this, this journey that I have with, with my wife and vice versa, it's all about like knowing each other more. Every day you find out something new. And of course, sometimes it's you know, not a happy thing. Sometimes you're like, oh, I didn't know this about you. But, but again, you get to know each other more. And like, whoa, I mean, that's what it is all about. Right? So when it comes to Jesus, it's even more. It's all about this passion and this love for it. So, so again, they saw the love of Jesus at the cross. They realized that Jesus died for them at the cross and shed his blood to the last drop. I and mean, think about it. For me, for you, Jesus shed his blood to the last drop. I'm like, okay, what did you find in me, Jesus, that, that you had to do for all that for me so that I would never be, you know, I would never perish but have eternal life. Like, it's crazy, the love of God. And now that passion in me flows out overflows to those around me, right? So, so basically what I'm trying to say is your loving God is reflected in you loving others, right? I always say this, like, if you want to know your love for God, just look at how you love your wife, right, or your spouse, right? If you, if you look at it, you can easily know that because that's what God is telling us to do, to reflect Christ in your marriage, right? In the same way, you know, how can you love a God who you cannot see when, when you cannot love your brother who you can see? So your love for God is reflected in your love for others and your love for those like in the community, which makes you, you know, get out of your comfort zones. The, the love of Jesus is so much in you that it makes you love others so much that you want to share the gospel of Jesus. You want to share, uh, bring them to church. You, want, you don't want them to perish, but you want them to come to Jesus. So that drive happens when the love of God is so much in you, right? It propels you, it pushes you out of your comfort zone because you want to see those around you. Say that, that's exactly what I was, I was sitting here and driving. I mean, I was sitting here just looking around and I was like, God, I pray for these souls that are walking down the street and I, and I pray that you would just build this church and expand its boundaries. And I pray and I believe that God is going to do that. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, so he's saying, remember, remember, look back. The, the time when you accepted Christ, the time you took water baptism, got full of the power of the Holy Spirit, and, and like the book of Acts, right? And they broke bread every day. Every day. I mean, it was, see, every day was about coming together. It was about my brother, my sister, my brother, my sister, my brother. Oh, what are you doing today in the evening? Oh, I'm going, I'm going to hang out with my brothers and my sisters and so we can break bread and, you know, think about Jesus, the way he suffered on the cross and say the, the Lord's Supper, like, you know, everything was circled around just remembering Jesus as his death and his resurrection and like, they're so like caught up in this, 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 this person, Jesus, right? And you know what that happened? They were not just sitting in the house and breaking bread. That propelled them to evangelize. And you can see the whole city got filled with, uh, with joy. And there was a time in the book of Acts, they say, these people who have turned the world upside down. 
So the love of Jesus propels them so much that they get out and share. So this the spirit of evangelism has taken over. Right? So the love of Jesus is flowing through them to those around them, not only to those in the church, not just breaking bread in the church, but it gets out. And now the city knows about Jesus, right? And, you know, think about it. A small group of disciples were able to change the world, turn the world upside down. That is the power of the Holy Spirit that's going to enable you to evangelize when you put your step out. So when you take one step out, he steps out with you. And you're going to see amazing things happen, right? Even the other day in our church, we, we see miracles happen the moment you declare who Jesus is, right? How great Jesus is. By the way, that's another form of worship. Evangelism is the greatest form of worship because what are you telling others? My Jesus is the Savior. My Jesus is beautiful. He saved me and he can save you too. Amen. Hallelujah. So number one, he says, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. So you used to be this person in the book of Acts, and now you're trying to do all these other deeds and disciplines and everything. It was all awesome, but if you don't have that love, everything is kind of... So, so here's the thing. Number two. Number one is remember. Number two is what? Repent. That means repent. Confess it. You know, come out of it. The word, the real word used there, repent, is menanoia, which means replace the lies that is in your mind. It's a change of mind, like the state of mind. Replace those lies with the truth. What is the lies? All this fighting that you're doing to maintain, you know, the, uh, oh, I had to make sure the doctrine is correct. I got to make sure that, you know, I, I, I'm, do, I'm doing my di disciplines. I'm, I'm going to make sure that the church is running. I'm going to make sure that this is going. Which is all awesome, right? But... Sometimes there are some things that get into our minds that makes us so, um, so wired in a way that we want to we function and we want to do things and we are so, you know, like make it happen mentality is awesome again. But if we don't have the love of God, everything becomes a waste. That's why he says, after that he says, and do the first works. He says, repent and do the first works. So, Jesus is not even telling them to, you know, continue to do what you guys were doing. He's like, go back to the first works. The, the way you used to work at, in the beginning. What is that? The passion. The zeal they have for God. That drove them, you know, out of their hiding places. Remember, you get out. Back in the day, you get out of, of, of your hiding place. Guess what happens? You're going to be killed. When you share about the love of Jesus to somebody, you're sharing about the love of Jesus to somebody who probably hates Christians. Or probably who's somebody who's going to tell somebody that, hey, here's a Christian. He just told me about Jesus. And when you're saying or sharing the good news to somebody, back in the day, it could mean that you're about to die. It could mean that you might be the one who's going to be a torch tomorrow. But they were ready for that. Because the love of Jesus was so much in them that would propel them, that would take them out of their comfort zones, out of their hiding spots, to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So then 
you know, Jesus continues to talk about, or else I'll come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from this place. That means the church is going to die, you know, if you don't repent, unless you repent, verse 6. Uh, but this you have that you hate the deeds of Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Again, Jesus comes back to say, you're still, you know, you're still fighting, and that's awesome, you know. Um, again, um, uh, the, the whole, you know, I would say the sexual revolution that the Nicolaitans came up with, basically the doctrine of Bala. Uh, but again, they're fighting that, right? And here's the cool part. So he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. To him who overcomes, that means, let me tell you, this is something you need to overcome. Get out of just the, 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 the normal behavior of just doing, 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 and making sure that you do everything right to a place where you do it out of love that you have for Jesus. Let the love of Jesus drive you. And it's, it's an overcoming thing because it's so easy to get caught up in doing things. But God is saying, just don't just do something for the sake of doing it. Just don't do it because you just want to get it done or you just want to be out of there. Hey, I just want to, I'm coming here. I just want to get this out and I'm, I'm going to go. No, God wants you to, like the love of Jesus should just take over your life and drive you to a way that you've never been before. Now that is transformation. That's what I'm talking about when I say, hey, God will change you completely and make you this agent. You know, you know why is the Holy Spirit coming about me? I mean, I love the fact that tongues are there. I believe in tongues, I speak in tongues. But, but tongues is an evidence, I believe that. But the greatest evidence is, is when you get filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, you become my witnesses. So, power of the Holy Spirit, and then you will become my witnesses, is what Jesus said. But then, we speak in tongues, we can prophesy, and we do all these things, but sometimes witnessing is not there. And I'm like, eh, there's, there's something wrong in this picture. Because I think the ultimate evidence is the power of the Holy Spirit propels you to evangelize the love of God takes you back to the first works, which is just so driven by the Holy Spirit, driven by the love of God, to share the good news to those around you. And, and then at the end, Jesus refers to that I will give you to eat from the tree of life, which is, which is in the garden or the paradise of God, right? And, and it's so funny. Remember I told you in, in the temple of Artemis, there was a tree in the middle. And they were called, it, was, it was supposed to be the tree that brings life. And it was kind of like the shrine of the tree. And Jesus, knowing that, refers to that and saying, no, that is not the tree of life. There is a tree of life in the garden of the paradise of God where you're going to eat from the fruit and live forever. Right. So, so it's so cool that, you know, how, how Jesus, you know, puts them together for people to understand and relate. So if I can wrap it up today, I just want to invite you. I just want to bring you to this, this, this place where God is asking us to come back to the first love. Right? Not to fall from the first love. But to come back, remember your, your previous days and repent and come back to the first works 
That doesn't mean you should stop doing what you're doing. That doesn't mean that you should stop your discipline or throw your discipline. That doesn't mean, you know, you shouldn't fight for the doctrines. No, no. While all that is there, don't get caught up in that. But let it all be driven by this love of God. Now, if you go back to the book of Ephesians, uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, you can see so clearly, Ephesians chapter 5, he talks about walking in love. From verse 1 on, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love. This is again what Paul is saying to the, book, but to the, to, to the uh, church in Ephesus. Now, verse 8, he says, For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of light. So um, I'm not going to stay there. But I just want to show you this. Even, even Paul mentions this. Of course, uh, the epistles to the Ephesians were written way before this book of Revelation from, from the dates that I looked at. And, and, and Paul kind of says it, right? And a lot of things that Paul mentions there, the church has actually gotten better at, but not the first love. So, so there in chapter 5, Paul relates the first love to light. If we don't have light, you know, why are we here? We are the light of the world. And what is light? Light is this, this the, the fact that Jesus, who is the light, is in you, right? That means it's like you're so driven by this love of God that you are empowered by, you're driven by God, his power, his light. So the world looks at you and says they see Jesus. They see Jesus by your love. They know that you are disciples by your love the way you love each other, the way you love others. The world wants to see love. What the world lacks is love because they have tried every other love possible. Every other love that the world can offer is all out there and they're not satisfied. They want the love of Jesus. And how, how can they see that? The only Jesus they see today is you. The way you demonstrate or display the divine attributes of God. Like, may you and I be those epistles. Let you and I be that light shining in this dark world. And this is, these are the visions that God showed me today while I was praying. And I know, like, coming here and just looking at this neighborhood, God is literally calling us as a church to step out of our comfort zones, to come back to the first love, to be driven by the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of love to go out there and preach the gospel, share the gospel with love so that people outside, people who do not have Jesus, will see Jesus, will know Jesus through the love that you show them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. Thank you for speaking to us. I pray, Holy Spirit, right now that you would empower your children, oh God. Oh God, that they would just get out of their comfort zones and step out, Father God, and share your love. Share the gospel, oh God, without any restriction, without any worry, without any, Father Lord, any, any fear, Father. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would take them out of their comfort zones, Jesus. Thank you for the church. Thank you for the leadership. Thank you for the way that you led them in the past and what you're doing today. But I pray, God, that you would take them to another level, oh God, to serve you, to go back to the first works. Just that full of passion, 
just full of fire for God, that the love of God would just take over their lives, each of our lives, that we would do more for your kingdom, that in everything that we do, that we would exalt you, we would make you smile, and one day we are going to stand in front of you and hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Once again, God, I pray blessings to all those who are watching right now. In the name of Jesus, I pray blessings over them, Lord. If anyone is sick, I pray for healing in the name of Jesus. If anyone is going through crisis, I pray, God, that you would meet them, Father God, at their, right now, where they are, that you would meet them. And be with them. If they're going through a storm, if they're going through fire, I pray that you be with them, God, as a fourth one in the fire, that your presence would bring protection and peace, God. Once again, we commit each and every one of us into your mighty hands. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for ministering to us, O oh God. We humble ourselves before thee, and we ask you that you continue to speak, continue to minister. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Once again, I want to thank you for this time. I pray that this word has blessed you. Let's continue to walk with Jesus and share the love of Jesus. Let's be propelled by his love so others will know how great of a love that we have seen at the cross of Calvary. God bless. That concludes this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.